for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you've stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review about your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by giving online at believerschurch.tv. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We're located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. I'd like to welcome you guys to Believer's Church Online. Thank you so much for joining us. Just like to, to state again something that I talked about last week, and that is how, how difficult that it, this is. I know for some of you, it's, it's really, really difficult to not be in church. And for me personally, I can relate to what it feels like to, to teach to an empty room and think about where people usually sit. It's just a very, very hard season. We are in our third week of Advent, and the candle that we lit today, the rose candle, the one that looks different from the other ones, is the candle of joy. So the theme in the third week of Advent is, is joy. And I have to be completely honest, a lot of the people that I'm around right now, uh, Christians and non-Christians, there's not a lot of joy that's going on in our world. It's extremely difficult for people with what they are uh, going through. And I really want to challenge you as you look at December the 13th going through this coming week that you think about joy, and do you have a reason, despite a lot of the hard things that are going on in our world right now, do you have a reason to be joyful? We want to continue to take the time to wrap our minds around what really matters during this season. So we're going to spend the next couple weeks, we, we finally finished our series, Out of Egypt, and we're going to spend the next two weeks really focusing on the rest of this Advent season. Today I want to discuss that the arrival, Advent means arrival, uh, what the arrival of Jesus actually meant primarily to reveal who God was. In the personhood of Jesus, we get a revelation about who God was and who God is. Next week is going to be very, very special. And the reason that next week is going to be special is because I'm going to talk about second chances. That the arrival of Jesus, the advent, means that people like me and people like you have the opportunity for second chances. So with this, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share my story and it's going to be as, as, as much as I ever talk in length about my story in, in a testimony format. And it's going to be raw, and it's going to be ugly in some ways. But I want to invite you guys, if, if, if you have family members or friends that are, that are cynics, that are outside of church, that have a real issue with church, maybe, maybe friends that you know that have had substance abuse issues in the past, to definitely tune in with us next Sunday morning because it's going to be very eye-opening for, for some people. Today, when we, whenever we talk about God, we tend to talk about God in a very general way, just as a society. 
And the reason that we do this is because we're really worried about offending people because of their view of God. We live in today in a postmodern society in what we would call a relativistic or a, a society full of relativism. And what this means from a spiritual standpoint, whenever we're talking about God, is we will say, well, what's true for me is true for me, and what's true for you must be true for you. It's kind of this all, all currents lead to the same river or lead to the same truth kind of view, so that I can really define God or develop God or, or create a God the way that I believe a God should be. Now, I believe, as a, as a tolerant person, I believe that you can respect other people while completely disagreeing. All right, we would call this pluralism. If you live in a pluralistic society, it means that you can disagree with people and you can tell them that you disagree with them, but you can still manage to get along. And I feel that what we need as, as we talk about this today is we're continuing to talk about the arrival of Jesus and, and what the Advent season means is I feel that we need a firm footing in our beliefs about who God is. So if there is one thing as you're watching this morning, one thing that I want you to really be able to leave with is this. God is revealed to us through the personhood of Jesus. Okay, so God is revealed to us through the personhood of Jesus. We must marry this idea. We must have a firm footing, and this must be a foundation in everything that we know and in everything that we understand. So what we're going to look at today is a passage in which Jesus is challenged with this thinking. All right, so we're going to look in John chapter 10, if you have your Bible at home or wherever you may be, John chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 22 through 30. So if you have your Bible, you can follow along with us. If, you, if you'd prefer, you can follow there at the bottom of your screen, and you're going to have some scripture there that you can look at. So this is John chapter 22, and we're going to look at verses 22 through 30. This is what the passage tells us. The time came for the festival of, ded of dedication in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple walking in the covered porch named Solomon, or what's often referred to as Solomon's porch. The Jewish opposition, this is really important, all right? The Jews, the opposition of Jesus, because of Jesus' claims, circled around him, you can Im imagine the intimidation, and asked how long will you test our patience? If you are the Christ or the Messiah, the Christos in Greek, tell us plainly. Because in their lives right now, they're waiting for this coming Messiah. Jesus answered, I have told you, but you don't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. Or the works he's talking about, the miracles he does. But you don't believe because you don't belong to my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never die and no one will snatch them, steal them, or take them from my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them 
from my Father's hand. This, this passage right here is critical, this verse. I and the Father are one. All right, so a few things that we want to recognize about God being revealed through the personhood of Jesus and why this season is so important to, earth, to us. The first thing I want you to recognize is this. Jesus arrives, and this is the most important thing, I think, about why Jesus arrives. By the way, Advent means arrival. All right, so the reason that Jesus arrives is to answer life's most important question. And this is life's most important question. It's three words. Who is God? This is the most important question of everything. Even if you don't believe, even if you're asking the question, who is God, and you feel that you can come to the conclusion that there is no God, it's going to be the most important question that you ask. And every person in their lives, in their life, asks this question at one time or another. Even if you live in a, in a polytheistic society in which there is a belief in a number of gods, opposed to a monotheistic society like the United States of America, Europe, Canada, countries like that, you're going to be asking this question. And this is what Jesus says whenever they ask if he's the Messiah. The Father and I are one. The Father and I are one. So who's God? Is God something that I can develop myself? Is God something because I've been to church a little bit, or I had a religious uncle, or I knew people that used to be religious, or I think I'm just going to develop this from scratch? Who is God? This is the ancient question that's asked, and Jesus says, the Father and I are one. Now, this is important because this verse is typically misinterpreted. The Greek word for one here is not saying me and God are one person. And this is typically how we look at this. God and Jesus are one person. It is actually saying God and I are unified as one. There is a difference. Okay, so Jesus is saying, this is more of a literal meaning, my father and I are very much alike. So what he is concluding with, with the Pharisees on this day, is he is telling them, my father and I are very much alike. Now, people would say this about me and my dad. And some of you that go to Believer's Church, you've had the opportunity, even though we're, 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 we're distanced and we're, we're spaced apart, some of you have had the opportunity to get to know my dad. We, we look alike. In some ways, we, we sound alike. We have some of the same mannerisms. We have some of the st same strengths, which is a wonderful thing. And we have some of the same weaknesses that our wives would be very happy to tell you about. All right, so there's a lot of commonalities that my dad and I have. So Jesus is essentially saying this, because this is very, very important for your spiritual journey. If you want to know what God is like, keep in mind this is seasoned religious people, the Jews. If you want to know what God is like, hang out with me so we can have a conversation. 
Now, this is a literal thing that he's saying in the first century to these individuals. You've been worshiping this, this God for generations. If you really want to know what this God is about, if you really want to know what this God is like, there's a table right there. I dine with sinners and tax collectors all the time. Let's have a conversation, a spiritual conversation, and I'll tell you what God is about. Watch the things that I do. Watch the way that I live. Because there are people that are watching this this morning and people that are going to watch this later. People that are going to listen to the podcast. And a lot of these individuals have a lot of questions about who is God? What is God? How does God operate? This world has only known one physical representation of God and this comes in the person of Jesus. So what happens as a result of this claim? What happens as a result of what Jesus tells them? If we were to read a little further, we would see that they threatened to stone him. Eventually, Jesus, in fact, not far down the road from this time, Jesus is going to be crucified for this claim. So here is what Advent, or the coming of the Christ child, does for us. Many of us have questions about God. Who is God? What is God? How does God operate? If you're asking those questions today, consider this. You may ask, what does God think about marriage? Or what does God think about divorce? Look at the teachings of Jesus. How does God handle my worry? I have a lot of anxiety. I have a lot of stress and pressure from work. There is a lot going on in my life. Look at the teachings of Jesus. What does God think about the poor? I don't necessarily care much for people who are not willing to do for themselves. What does Jesus think about the poor? What does God think about the poor? Look at Jesus. What does God think about secret sins? What does God think about these things that I'm not telling anyone else? Look at the teachings of Jesus. What does God think about violence? What does God think about war? Look at the teachings of Jesus. We understand God through the lens of Jesus. And your life starts to make sense when you start trusting Jesus. Now we're going to talk in a little while, in a little while about the difference in simple belief or mental or intellectual consent and what trusting Jesus actually means. So the second thing that we recognize that's so important about the arrival of Jesus, about Advent, as far as showing who God is, is that Jesus answers questions through miracles. Jesus answers questions through miracles. And he tries to make this clear. And this goes back to what we were talking about. If you want to understand God, look at the things that I'm doing. Pay attention to my actions and what I'm doing every single day. Verses 24 through 25. Some people gathered around him and said, this is the Pharisees, how long will you make us wonder about you, teacher, rabbi, imposter, 
We need answers. You are stirring everything up around us. We need to understand this in a deeper way. If you are the Christos, if you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. We're simple people. Some of us are even pretty intelligent, but you're, 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 you're speaking in puzzles. You're speaking in mystery. Help us understand who you are, Jesus answered. I told you already, but you did not believe me. The miracles or the work I do in my Father's name, they show who I am. Through the first 11 chapters of John's gospel, what we're in today, Jesus performs seven miracles. Jesus turns water into wine, number one. Jesus heals the official's son, number two. Jesus heals the cripple at the pool, number three. Number four, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Number five, Jesus walks on water with Peter. Number six, Jesus heals a man born blind. And number seven, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Now listen, you may think this is amazing because Jesus is doing impossible things. But for me, it's bigger. Because what Jesus is doing is he's revealing the character of God. Let's be honest. These Jews, the other mystery cults of, of the time of Jesus that exist, who really cares about the cripple? Who really cares about the blind? Who really cares about the prostitute? God is compassion. God is mercy. God is generosity. God is forgiveness. Russ Ramsey said this about the Messiah, about this, this Jesus that we're celebrating this time of year. We see a Messiah who uses his power to heal, comfort, and encourage rather than smite, dominate, and humiliate. This is a good God. This is the God that we serve, a God full of justice mercy, and compassion toward the broken people that often the everyday religious person will step over during the Advent season so that they can get in the department store to shop. This is a God that is for you. And today is December the 13th. So we are literally right at with, with ending on December the 24th, we're right at the halfway mark in this Advent season. And even though we're not together right now in person, it's not too late for you to refocus, for you to re-engage the music, the Christmas lights, all of the gifts, the family time, all of these, they're great. They're not bad things in themselves. 
But the truth is, on the third week of Advent, as we talk about joy, that some of you who call yourselves believers or followers of Jesus, let's be honest, you are absolutely miserable. And you're miserable because you're focusing on what's going on in your family. You're miserable because we're, we're not having services. You're miserable because everything around you is driving you crazy. You're unhappy because of this virus and the fact that it's picking up and affecting your life the way that it is. But we are called specifically, specifically for joy in this week. Do you have something to be joyful about? You still have the opportunity for so many people who are on our, our page on Facebook. Becca Grindstaff is, is, is put together and is, and is putting out for us these Advent devotionals every single morning so that we can collectively, as a church, gather together online and celebrate the birth of Jesus. And the question that I have is you scroll through social media how much you're actually paying attention to that opportunity to focus yourself every single day on this truth. So the third point about this arrival of Jesus, and this one is my favorite. Jesus also arrives, the advent means, and he is revealing God through followers. He is advancing this truth through followers. Verses 27 and 28. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never die. No one can steal them out of my hand. The birth of Jesus brings a message. And authority is given to these followers to carry this message. This is not as articulate as the book of Acts that Luke writes where we see so much about the early church, but that's what this is. This is the foundation. This is the roots for the early church, for the New Testament church. So let's talk for just a minute about Christianity in its origins. Within Judaism, during the time of Jesus, there is a tremendous emphasis on practicing an apprenticeship or practicing a learning experience under a teacher. All right, this is what it means to be Jewish. This is the world that Jesus comes from. So it's normal to learn how to practice what you're learning under a spiritual teacher or a rabbi. So Jesus doesn't invent this concept of follow me. Jesus is simply the one from a Christian perspective, from a Messiah perspective, that really puts this idea on the map. And it's through this tradition that Jesus leads. So it's not simply about going to church and trying to be a good person. It's about learning a certain way of life. And the truth is that this is foreign to most people, even within the Christian world. Because what matters the most to them is attending a service once a week. It's a weekend event. We put so much time 
into this weekend event and very little time into what it means to develop followers of Jesus. You see, I'm not becoming a better person over time. And my wife, my kids, other people that are close to me, they would say the exact same thing. This is not about behavior modification. It's not about because I happen to go to church or try to do certain things that I'm becoming a better person. It's about being under the authority of the one that I'm following, which is Jesus, and then pouring what I'm learning into other people, and then them pouring it into other people, and on and on and on and on. We must see and know that we were called to follow. And with all due respect, and please understand that I'm saying this with all due respect, if our primary focus during this time in a, of year is simply the baby in the manger, and that's as far as we take Jesus, we have a problem. Because that baby that's in the manger is going to turn into a man that teaches a certain way of living. You see, the Pharisees, they want to know who Jesus is. But the truth is, they are really not ready for the answer. They're just not prepared for the answer. Now, before Jesus is crucified, maybe some of the individuals that are in this very circle around him will be ready for that answer. And the truth is, there were some of you, whenever you were first told about Jesus, that you weren't ready for the answer. And there are some of you that may be listening today and you're still not ready for this answer. All right, so during this time of year, we often try to convince people to keep perspective. And what do we say? Remember the reason for the season. But I want to go much further with this because Jesus is the reason for every season. So what would your life look like during this special time of year if you truly chose to follow Jesus? Not simply attend church, not simply try to participate in certain events, not just, not just pray whenever you go to bed at night or whenever you're in your car, not just try to look back at an event that you made in a church 15, 25 years ago, maybe longer, but what would your life look like if you truly followed Jesus? This is an incredible season to begin that journey. Jesus said, and this is so convicting in verse 26, you don't believe because you are not my sheep. These Pharisees that are dumbfounded feel there's no way that this is the Messiah. There's no way that this is the Christ. You don't believe because you're not my sheep. Now, some of you that are listening right now, this is what you're saying. I believe. I, I do believe. I know that I believe. I was raised in church. I, I, I talk to God. I, I believe. Now, let's be careful. All right, the Greek word for believe is pistivo. And what this actually means 
is not simply cognitive consent. Okay, yes, I, I, I believe there's a God. I believe Jesus is his son. I believe that I'm going to go to heaven when I die. All right? Pistivo, to firmly persuade, to commit, to confide in. There is action involved in this relationship. All right, let me give you an example because I feel like this will help. All right, here is where most people are with their faith. And here is where some people at Believer's Church are with their faith. Some people that are watching right now that maybe they gave up on church, they believe in kind of an, an individualized spirituality. I, I, I don't need to be around all those church people. I believe that I can, can just talk to God on my own and I don't need all those other people. All right, this, this is the way I would frame this. Some people will say, I believe Abraham Lincoln existed. And I believe Abraham Lincoln was a, was a good president or a great president. All right? Some people will say that. And I believe God exists and I trust him. All right? So they're, they're, they're saying both of these things the same way. All right? Abraham Lincoln I've obviously never met, I've never seen, I've just seen pictures of an individual they call Abraham Lincoln. So I have faith that Abraham Lincoln existed. But that doesn't change you. It doesn't change me. Right? I believe all 45, soon 46 of our presidents have existed. But that doesn't change me. That's cognitive consent or simple recognition. Now watch this, all right? Because here's where followers of Jesus are. I just, I just bought a house, all right? I bought my second house, first house in Tennessee, hopefully my last house. Okay, look, look at the difference here. I believe, Pistivo, I believe this house is where my family is supposed to live. So I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to provide for my family in this home. Willful surrender. Action. Whenever I say that I believe my family is supposed to live here and I make this decision, it changes everything. I have to reorganize my money. I have to pay very close attention to how I spend. I have to pay my mortgage. So there are things about me that actually change. But a lot of people who say they believe in God, they believe in Jesus, the place they land is, I believe in Abraham Lincoln. Yes, I believe that he existed. Believe that he was the one that really ended the Civil War in the 1860s. But that doesn't necessarily change me. So do you see the difference? One of the reasons, and we've talked about it today, that Jesus came to this earth was to reveal who God was and who God is. This is one of several reasons 
that we celebrate in this season. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you. We thank you so much, Father, for the work that you continue to do. God, in my prayer, as we gather together um, online right now as a church, and Father, with, with others as well, my prayer is that we will look into this week with joy. That we will choose joy. And that we will understand that part of the joy that we are celebrating and experiencing has to do with the fact that your son came into this world to show us in human flesh who he is. Father, we lift you up. We praise you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.